zillion dollars growing up so you're gonna finish your plate uh and i now i i just want to finish everything and i know it's gonna cause me pain but then my brain my asshole brain just doesn't re regard that at all and just says nope i'm just gonna eat everything yeah because it, it tastes good and i want it now then i suffer yep like i'm about to it's been a long time since i've eaten to the point of pain i i i've, I've never get really that full oh i do Oh, friend. <laughs> that's why you have the sandwich, Chef. Uh, that's not going to be the point of pain. That's just going to be to the point of pleasant fullness. Ooh. Because sandwiches are easy to store for tomorrow. If in your belly. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, I can take an Italian sub and I can cut it in half and, you know, can eat some now, eat some later, have some oh, for lunch. It's good. As it sits there weighing on your brain. Yeah. Oh, I dream about it calling there. to you. Yeah. So I'm excited but, to get up tomorrow because tomorrow I'm going to have a Titan sub for lunch. That's going to be another great uh, episode for the Sandwich Shock. <sighs> we still episode get... blank. To the pain. They're all episode blank. <laughs> They're all to the pain. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it. It's going to happen. You just wait. Uh, I'm, I'm, I, will, I will wait. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and Jeff are inspired casting. Yes. I, I think Jeff is the perfect sandwich shock foil for you. Jeff yes. can talk a lot about sandwiches just like I can. But, you know, we have different. Yeah. We, we come at it differently. Talk about long story short. <laughs> oh, it's going to be long stories about sandwiches. Yeah, long story long. Ooh, there's a podcast name. <laughs> That'll be Jeff's solo cast. <laughs> long story long. Yeah. Or Jeff just tells you about what he yeah, uh, watched on TV whatever. that week. Whatever it, it'll it'll kind of be like Proops uh, thing where you just you just throw something at him and uh yeah the is he still doing that age, podcast I don't know I don't know but you just see Jeff like the Bronze Age collapse <laughs> I really don't know what caused it although lots of people talk about the Sea Peoples well let me go back a little bit the Sea Peoples <laughs> unsubscribe. <laughs> Welcome, folks, to Geek Shock number 693. I am Master Torigo. Commander K. Bad Decisions Vlog. And we're here to talk week and geek. Oh, my goodness, gentlemen. Good to have you back again. Is it? No, yeah. not okay. at all. I just feel like I have to say it. Don't mm. lie to me. I lie to you all the time. <laughs> I know. I hate it. It feels like this was just days ago. It, it kind of, yeah. It's okay, because we managed to do geeky things in those few days. We did. We really did, and I'm proud of that. I was leaving the podcast. I'm thinking, wow, we're probably going to record this in a few days. I better get my geek on. Sure as shit, I did. Mm. No, you know what? Let's, let's just skip the pleasantries. Hi, Kofi members. Glad to have you. What geeky things did you do this week, gentlemen? Okay, let's see. Uh, I On Saturday, I went to a party, and for some reason, they started talking about geek stuff. And, of course, you know, about the, the, the business card saying, okay, you know, I'm part of a podcast, got my Las Vegas Dungeon Master shit, and then someone brings up, like, Star Trek, and, of course, <laughs> everyone drink, we've mentioned Star Trek, uh, got to talk about that, and all of a sudden, I'm the geekiest person in the room by an order of magnitude. Yeah, but you kind of are usually. Uh, yeah, I kind of am, and it's okay, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that's a... that's. That's a place of honor. It is now. I've been to parties where it has not been, but that was like 20, 30 years ago. I'm old. Uh, 
now it's it really what, is. What, when you were seven? That's right. Oh. Go play with, your, with Barry. He's a geek. Ah, yeah. Let's go kick his ass. <laughs> Take his half a sandwich. Don't talk about my sandwich. Yeah, he talks tough, but you just kick his ass. So what did you do this week? <laughs> All right, so that was one thing. Um, Kay and I got to learn some games. We did. You learned some new games. We yes. learned. It's always good to learn games. Uh, I, I always prefer to play new games more rather than just keep playing old games because there's so many games out there I want to learn. Um, like some, that will ever end. No, it'll never end. They, they put out like a thousand board games a year. Yeah, well, okay. They got to be good games, well-rated games, oh, here not we go. Andy games. Here we go, Andy. If you're listening, mm. now there's a subset of games <laughs> called Andy games. It's these weird games that he gets from like the thrift store that are just straight crap. And, and they're they're at the thrift store for a reason. Yeah, and then they end up in my garage. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so th- that that that's where they belong. Um, but we learned a uh, We talked about it last uh, yeah. episode. Zombicide Black Plague. You might have heard of this game. I have time. heard of that game. Yeah. So what What are your thoughts of Zombicide? I really, really enjoy Zombicide Black Plague. Yeah. And I, I saw the difference between Zombicide and Zombicide Black Plague. Boy, they stepped it up with the the way the uh, the cards are set, where you lay them down and everything. It, it's just a lot of thought into it. Um there's a couple of weird rules things, as there are with all games, mm. uh, but we worked it out between uh, Kay and uh, Major Meh and I. Yeah, a steep right. learning curve. And for those who don't know what Zombicide Black Plague is, what is the overarching idea of the game? Uh, fight zombies. Yep. Yeah. And uh, Black Plague, it's uh, kind of fantasy-oriented. Set in the medieval times. Yeah. So... There's a, you, you all have a bunch of characters, like we're each playing two characters, so there's six characters, and you know some of them have like di- slightly different powers, uh, yeah. not too much to make it crazy. Um, start with basic equipment, and then you just go around and collect objectives from certain spaces on the board, which is created for each scenario, kind of like Gloomhaven, um, not as complicated, but like that. And then uh, you have like three moves, say, and you have to move and you could search for some weapons in a building or you could kick down a door, fight a zombie, whatever. And then at the end of your turn, zombies spawn. Yeah. And there's random amounts of you. There's like a walker and a runner and a fatty. And sometimes there's a, a necromancer abomination. That's the bigger stuff. And then the, each one has a uh, each scenario has a uh, goal. Like for the, for the tutorial scenario, scenario zero, you just had to get the objectives and run out. Yeah, and it was and a good tutorial. Objectives are little, uh, little tile chits. Literally, just have an X on them. Yeah, and you just pick them up, and some of them are designed so that when you pick it up, it reveals a different color on the back, and that might trigger something. Yeah, or it might be needed to do something. Every scenario is a slightly different. Yeah, but it, once you get the rules down, there's a, there's a learning curve, yeah. and the videos do not freaking help. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. one of the reasons is because it's. Uh, playthrough or review or you know uh, explanation of zombies and Black Plague and the first thing they do is like okay so I done a a playthrough and a game review of Zombie Side so if you want the basic rules go watch that <laughs> and then you can watch this and and we're all like oh fuck now just read the rules through and you'll get it yeah. it's gonna take a while on <laughs> on on the the zero scenario but the the, the scenario one. We breezed right through that. Yeah, it was fun. Which which actually makes me think we're doing something wrong. But 
Well, you know. No, no, no. We we, we <laughs> owned it. It was good. We it, strategy. It's it's fun. Uh, it's a co-op game. Uh, one of the neat things is it's designed for X plus number of characters. So basically, if you have fewer people, you play multiple characters. So there was it, it was a six-character set, and there were three of us, so we went with two characters apiece. You, one of the interesting things is you start, it looks like you start every quest cold. Uh, same character, same beginning set of shit, and then... As you play that scenario, you get experience points, which raises your level, will open up new skills for you, as well as equipment you gather. And, of course, as you go up in level, that increases the zombie threat. So you get more powerful, but so do the zombies. Yes. yes. Both in strength and number. Yeah. Very much yeah. in number. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, we had, we, we lucked out on quest one because we didn't open a lot of doors and that ended up being a great idea and uh, there was also a mechanic where we could eliminate a spawn zone so we eliminated the right spawn zone yes we did and it was really funny Todd but there was a a section of the board that was just this big old mass of gray fig zombies just sitting there lots of things to paint yeah oh yeah it's a it's a painter's dream or nightmare depending on your philosophy yeah really and and they just sat there because we had angled things perfectly so that they were all gathered at a door wanting to come in but fortunately I can't there was like 15 zombies at yeah, that door they can't break down doors they just they just gather there so if you don't bash down the door you're kind of okay. See, that's why you need me there playing because you're going to bash I'm down the door. I'm curious about that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when we throw you out of the gaming group. Uh, what else did we play? Oh, uh, Star Wars, the deck building game from yep. Fantasy Flight Games. Yes. Lewis brought that over. Um, it's okay. I, I like the mechanics. I like the gameplay. I think that's fun. My only issue is with how you win. How it's not win? like DC Deck Builder where you build up a bunch of points and then whoever has the most points wins. It's basically whoever goes out first. Yeah. And it's real easy to go out. Oh, okay. Like, so. you, you just expect it over three. time. Three. Three, uh, three bases. Enemy destroys three bases. First one to do that wins. Yeah. And uh, Barry, Barry relying on the might of the Empire and the Death Star, he just had his bases up and he was just wrecking havoc with the... Uh, the lineup, because it's very much like DC Deck Builder. All right, so if somebody's playing the Empire, some plays playing Rebels. Rebels yes. Yeah. Is there another faction no. as well? No. No. Okay. You can buy neutral ships, but no, it's only just Rebel yeah. versus Empire. Yeah. And two player um, game then. Yeah. Two player oh, okay. game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Major Meh was taking us through it. He's like, "We'll all learn. You two play." See, like, I think uh, he likes being a ref. I, you know, yeah. So or just a voyeur. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Well, I can't speak to that. Yeah, so you have a lineup of ships, and it's kind of neat because some the way some of the cards are printed up is that you angle Empire cards towards the Empire player, Rebel cards towards the Rebel. But the only way you clear the line is by purchasing cards or destroying them. You can actually destroy them in the lineup. And so the cards, when they're angled... The cards that I, as a rebel, would want to go after, like his Imperial cards, it'll actually be printed so it's facing me what I have to do to destroy it and what I get for destroying it. 
and then the the neutrals are all on the side uh tilted and uh where uh you can you can buy those either side can buy those and you get resources and then you establish a line of capital ships in front of your base and that was the thing where i managed to get barry because yeah. i kept buying little rebel capital ships transport ships Bases will range from ten to sixteen points, where your where your each card that you play might do two, three, maybe four damage, except for your big ones. So you need to play multiple cards in your hand to lay out that damage. But you have to go through the capital ships before you can get to the base. So I kept throwing down yeah. transports and stuff. It got me resources, but he was wasting a lot of time blasting away at those transports and he didn't do that so i just got to throw when i could damage onto his uh bait and it's really fun too because you have like rebel trooper three damage and it's a rebel trooper damaging the death star for three points which makes no sense but whatever <laughs> <laughs> i just wasn't happy with with how it calculates the uh the winner you go through three bases, and that's that's, that's it? pretty much it. Yeah. Um. I think maybe that would be okay if we extended it and put like six bases out. But there's a there's definitely a momentum problem in that game. Mm. If you have killed three of my bases and I've killed none of yours, and let's say we're playing a six six base game. Yeah. Uh. There's almost no way for me to catch up. It's it's tough. Yeah. yeah. Especially if I've got the resources where I can keep throwing up capital ships. Yeah. Ships that you have to wade through. Yeah. And if you don't have the momentum to buy capital ships of your own You're done. to protect yourself, it's rough. So, But I did like a lot of the elements of the, uh, the deck building, the variation, like the card-specific sides, how you can destroy a card in the lineup, uh, motherfucker Empire killed Luke Skywalker. That's, see, I consider up. that a win. <laughs> Straight up ganked him. <laughs> then what's the point of any of the movies now? Yeah. No. That's it. Yeah, Lucas is, was just, he wrote us a letter. He showed up by the time the game ended. <laughs> oh, you're not supposed to kill Luke yeah, Skywalker. Yeah, really, it's all about him. There's nothing else to talk about. <laughs> yeah. um, if you read Joseph Campbell, you'll know how important he is. Oh, yeah. Geez. So, yeah. yeah I, so, I I liked and appreciated it. And that was also funny because we, we, started, we started developing our own theories of game mechanics. Because when you, you can... Uh, oh, the tap tip. Capital ships, that. your base, they all function like uh, locations in DC Deck Builder. Uh, or magic cards, really. Yeah, really, really. So they, they activate every round. And it actually specifically says, when you activate a card, make sure to tilt it to the side to show that you've activated it. Just, just <laughs> tap it. Why, why can't you say tap you it? You can't say tap. Why? Ah, Wizards of the Coast. Yeah. What does Wizard have to do with a I, Star Wars fantasy flight game? I am absolutely certain that if you said tap a card, Wizards of the Coast would come knocking yeah. on your door with uh, Pinkertons. They, they, oh, they copyrighted it. I think Probably so. Probably trademark. Why else would you not say tap a card? Everyone knows what that means. Yeah. And There's it's so lot. funny. They even have a little illustration. You see a card, and then you does a little... Angle it to the side. <laughs> so, when we create, when we finally get off our ass... And create the Geek Shock uh, deck builder. Yeah. 
We're going to what? Were, what was your idea? We're going to we're going to have uh, cards you can tap, but of course you don't tap. You can't, you can't say tap, that. Yeah. But you turn it ninety degrees on its side. You you spill your card. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. you pull an Andy. You just spill yeah. your card. There you go. To ah. Activate it. And then uh, at the end of your turn, you refresh by cleaning up all your spills, <laughs> and uh, you're ready for the next one. <laughs> just absolutely love that. That is a proper world building. Sir. Yeah. Yes. We also played. I also introduced them to a great game. That uh, my uh, friends Jackie and Joe from uh, Houston introduced us to Plunder. Yes, Plunder. Plunder is a great game. Uh, I don't know who makes it. Doesn't matter. Um, you're a pirate. Yar. All right. And uh, everyone starts with a with a one island. There's a there's a board that you create. It's like A through Z. J. J. Or a little farther than that. And then L. one through ten, fourteen, something so like a that. So grid. Agree, yep. and it's like random, but there's a bunch of little islands on them. Some of them are one, two, or three skull islands. Uh, that determines how tough those islands are. And everyone starts on a one skull island with your little ship with three little lives on it. Uh, you can paint them too. I'm probably ask you to paint mine. Um, we'll talk. And then uh, <laughs> a flag and it is yours. <clears throat> and then you roll the roll the dice and see how many spaces your your dude goes. And you try and find treasure and attack other islands so you can get more resources. And every so often the storm blows in and, and makes it so it's difficult to cross into that area. And the point is to get ten plunder points and that you win the game. Um, you get plunder points by attacking other ships, uh, by buying them with five gold, um, or if a guy comes to try and sink you, but you sink him. You get a plunder point. That's shit like right. that. Or you can purchase plunder points. Yes. And, and, and if you have three, uh, each ship you own, each island you own yeah. also counts as a plunder point. I didn't know that, too, because it's really funny. I'm sitting here playing. I laid down my fifth plunder point card, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, this game is going on forever. I'm enjoying it, but it's going on forever. And you're, wait, is that your fifth? Oh, yeah, so you only got two ships. No, he's got three ships. Oh, shit, Kirsten just won. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, you were enjoying it. You had the dirty scowl of, I don't understand what's when going on. When we first started. Oh, my God. I, I got oh my God. fucked. I was so fucked when we first started. Um, I kept rolling low. And I just kept, I couldn't move anywhere. I wasn't doing anything. You were losing all your resources to me. Motherfucking Barry. One of the coolest <sighs> mechanics so in the often. game. You get your little red X's. X marks the spot. You get three of them. These are little tile pieces you put down on the grids. The way you determine this, real fun, we got to steal this mechanic, is a die, two dials, your spinners. You spin one for a number, you spin one for a letter. So you spin, you get letter C, you spin, you get number 13. C13 is where the new, the X goes down. And every time you go there, you pull a resource card. And once you've resolved that, the X gets respun and put down somewhere else. <clears throat> Barry is hitting it perfectly for like the first dozen moves or so i don't know how many rounds but Dude, i don't know barry would be six spaces away from an x he'd roll a six he'd be two spaces away from an x he'd roll a four he always was hitting there was one fucking time motherfucker was six spaces away from an x and three spaces away from another and he rolled a six and he hit two i mean it was he was just rolling it up and i'm patiently collecting my resources and then Barry, on some of those X's, sometimes it's like, ah, you find a bunch of rum sailing over. 
you can salvage. And sometimes, yeah, you got to use pirate voice. Yeah. Oh, okay. And sometimes it's, Arr, take all the gold from Kirsten. And he even says that on the card. Oh, wow. Christ. Yeah. You wrote it, didn't you? Yar, punch Kirsten in the ball. I couldn't do anything for the first few rounds. I was I was like, this is a really great fucking game, Barry. Well done. Yeah. Lewis is laughing at me. Barry is, of course, <laughs> laughing at me. Yes. And it was murder. But it was also cool because I have to say the turnaround was fast. And I was finally able to start getting stuff. One of the big things is... Start of the round, you get a resource card. And this is it's just like Catan. You lay down your resource cards to get your thingies. You can there's buy. rum, there's wood, there's gold, there's iron. Yeah, and you can make By shit. the way, I just realized it was not Jackie and Julia that introduced me to this game. I believe it was either Kirsten... Not Kirsten. Did Kirsten? Did no, you no, 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 no. It was, either, it was either Aaron-esque yeah. or Ijishaki. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I My brain. Anyway, oh, go dear. on. I'm sorry. So, your brain, too. Yeah. So you can you can build another ship. You can purchase a life because each ship gets three lives. Um, you can purchase masts. You can get up to two masts, and a mast will give you one extra square of movement free. Uh, you can purchase cannon, which will manipulate the die values when you go fight. Um, and it took a while. Well, anyway, you pull a resource for each island you have a flag on. I actually went and conquered an island, put a second flag down, and boy, oh boy, does that second flag make a fucking difference. Oh, yeah. And getting two resource cards at the start of my turn really helped. You also can turn in your resource cards to build any moment. So I, I pick them up, I get what I need, I'll buy another ship, I do some sailing, I hit a red X, and I get, oh, look, a couple resources. Oh, I can get a cannon. Boom. Get a cannon right on the ship. You it moves fast that way. So, you, so given that you started poorly and, yeah. and ended up winning, would you say this is a, a swingy game or it's possible? There but, are wild swings in this game. Yeah, yeah, Barry Barry took some chances and got his balls crushed. Yes, yes, I did. Uh, he, Story of his life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, I mean, because he was he was riding high, and then then there were just like two. Two moves where he yeah, just it, lost it, a lot. It just turned it right around. Um, and Lewis, Lewis was having a hard time starting too. But at the end, Lewis was the one who was sinking Barry's ships, going around, uh, even trying to take a can't blame the guy. Take a Barry's island. It's a fun game. It's an easy game to learn. Yes, and you're always in it. At one point, we wiped out Barry's fleet. Well, Lewis did, and Barry had no ships. But he had one. You had two islands. He had two islands. He was drawing two. And resources. I had some plunder points. And you just sacrifice one, get yeah. a new ship. You're done. You can sacrifice a plunder point. And he rebuilt his navy and was on the up again. Hmm. The the storm mechanics hilarious. You roll a one on your move die. It's and a six side. And then you got to spin the things and see where the storm lands. And you move the storm. And then the storm. It doesn't do you. You don't sink or anything. Thank God. But if it co if it covers the ports. Of, of one of your islands, yeah. you don't get any resources get for that resources. island. Oh, and man. to cross over the storm, in or out of the storm, it costs you two resources, it's a three, which is expensive. Yeah, it's a three-by-three three, uh, little uh, grid box. And it's funny because you can move around inside it okay, but you, crossing out of it will will be a, a pain in the ass. Yeah. And poor, <laughs> poor man, <laughs> he kept rolling ones, and he kept... He kept dropping the storm on himself. <laughs> he just, it was funny. 
So it good game. Very funny. So I I came to appreciate it, but but yeah, it can be swingy. Um, but also know if you ever play plunder and you're starting out shitty, don't despair. My advice: get that second island post haste and start just collecting resources. I don't know what genre of game it is. I Probably mean, pirate, pirate, obviously, but yeah. you know what I mean. Like, is it? It's not deck builder. It's not worker placement. It's I don't I don't know how to. It's, Right, it's uh, it's almost. It's definitely a mirror trash. To get <laughs> to get super meta, it's almost Catan with some uh, risk or some war gamer thing added to it. Like there's a Knights of the Dinner Table joke about how they house ruled Catan so they could have battles and stuff. It's almost like that because there's the cards. I was looking at the because you get a little tap, you know, a little tablet that shows you what you have to do to build. And I was instantly thinking, a thought of Catan. Yeah, it does feel like Catan in that so, way. But I don't know what to classify it as. Like, deck yeah. builders are obvious. And deck builders, I got to tell you, have very quickly become some of my favorite genre games. Yeah. Just the other night, we played uh, the Street Fighter yeah. uh, deck builder game by Cryptozoic. Cryptozoic, by the way, is a great game company. They make the DC deck builders. They make the Lord of the Ring deck builders. I like those a lot. Yeah. Um, and there are a million DC deck builders, but I, I don't know what other ones they have other than Street Fighter, which is, eh, it's playable, it's good, it's just not my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's not my favorite. But for deck as deck builders go, I, I did enjoy the mechanics of Star Wars. Love me some Dominion. Mm-hmm. Um, even uh, art, all artichokes must, what the, abandon all artichokes is technically a deck builder. Yeah. 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 I like deck builders. So it's it's fun. Okay, so of the fun. three, Zombicide, Black Plague, Star Wars deck building game, and Plunder, what was the favorite? Mm-hmm. Zombicide. Zombicide, probably. Okay. I like the genre as well as the play, and having uh, having Major Meh there to get the headache over how to run the fucking game, and Barry sitting on his laptop, you know, figuring out how to run the game. Because it, it is a steep learning curve. There's some... There's some shit in there that you're like, what are they fucking saying? And you gotta you gotta dig around for clarification. But having said that, I enjoyed the the genre. I enjoyed. I like the whole Gloomhaven. Lay down some tiles and puts this here, that there, and this is what you you know. Much like the D and D board games. Oh, like Wrath of a Charlotte. Yeah, like you know when they did that. So and it's a co-op game, which is nice because everybody's frantically working to, you know, make something happen. Remember, together. kids, if you do a board game night, always do the most complicated one first. Yeah. Always, always, always. <laughs> that was the good part. Yeah, because yeah. you got people who are relatively intelligent, and we play a lot of board games, so it's easy for us to pick up rules because it's like that other game that we play. Oh, that thing works yeah. like that. Yeah, which is why I can. There's the only reason why I can still. I learned Dune Imperium. And you're not as drunk yet. Yes. Yeah. That's Makes that's sense. exactly right. And at the end of the night, you could play like fucking zombie dice or whatever. Yeah, your brain you got no is brain. dying. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I think our board game, we have to learn a new game in the beginning, like a complicated fantasy flight game. Mm-hmm. Next one, I really want to learn the Fallout game. Mm-hmm. You know, we got that. Ooh. You got that Conan game too. Jesus. <laughs> when we opened that box up, you closed it right oh, back up. Oh yeah, we nope. just we were just like, holy shit balls! We need Lewis for this. Put Pandora's and box need, back. Yeah, and Lewis like on amphetamines or something because it's going to be a lot. So I I did end up enjoying Plunder. So and and I'm actually going to recommend all of them. Um, 
But uh, zombie side, I, I'll say edged out. Plunder, but there there were a lot of board and tile mechanics and plunder that I just the first time they we did that spinner thing to relocate a a treasure marker. I was just like, oh god, we gotta make sure the Geek Shot game has spinners somewhere. It just felt good. There is one other thing we did that was geeky. I gotta mention it. Yeah. Now I've been playing more Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah. Because Deb's been gone. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. You know what I'm talking about. Uh. Deb's been gone, so when she gets back, uh, she's going to be playing it most more than me, obviously. Um, I'm not going to talk about the game. I ha- I am very much enjoying the game, except for certain parts. So I, I've I've played a big a good chunk of it, so I am curious as to your. Kay comes over, and I'm still playing the game. It's like, all right, man, hold on, let me just uh, I got to figure out this quest. I couldn't figure out how to how to get this puzzle thing done, so I'm like, screw it. Here, let me just kind of show you what I got to do. I got to go to class. He's like, oh boy, so I go to class, and it's uh, beasts like learning how to do. Be- you know, y- yeah, your face already. You see what's going on. And what do you got to do? You got to learn about this puffle thing, this fucking triple looking deal. And then you got to you got to brush it and you got to feed it. It's Barbie Horse Adventures. <laughs> and this is the first experience he has. So all I can see is he's looking at me with that stupid face like, uh-huh, you like Barbie Horse Adventures. This is what you wanted to show me. Oh, my God, Todd. He was so embarrassed. He was literally like, the whole game is not like this. Really. None of the game is like this. Kristen, the whole game is like that. Most of the time, it's, it's going it's, around killing motherfuckers with Avada Kedavra. Or it's whatever. like Pokemon, but cuter. <laughs> and he's fine. He's feeding it and then well well let let's go off with poppy maybe pop i can't stand poppy but maybe poppy and Joe, this griffin comes up i'm like ooh, a griffin no he feeds oh, the you gotta griffin. pat the griffin feed the griffin <laughs> jesus i'm like Christ. wow this is exciting oh, barry and the timing is exquisite oh man. dude that was my that was my walk in the room right when the dance scene at bridgerton begins moment <laughs> i just i came in right when it was like this is excellent for making fun and of. Barry's doing the dancing. Like, yeah. I'm wearing dark arts shit all over with skulls, and I'm just petting the griffin, petting, feeding petting, the griffin petting. with little hearts. And he, and he pets with his wand. He takes the wand, oh, summons yeah. up the brush, yes. and the brush is woot, woot, and hearts. Oh, my God. Boop. <laughs> I'm they like, are so happy to be pet. Oh, this is a Barry game. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny because the when you move to the pen... It's Kirsten and I are both petting Kit at the same yeah. time. Uh, there's a... Uh, there's some poachers. Oh yes, who are are trying to start some shit, and it was really funny because I'm like, now see, that's what Barry's Barry a ca- Barry character should be doing. Poaching. He should be trying to rip the whiskers off of this cat creature and selling it for yeah. profit. Yeah, and instead he's petting. And actually, the, the they rejected him. They were just like, this creature is not ready for petting yet, and. <laughs> Petting too heavy. <laughs> Barry, you shouldn't be so insistent. Oh, my God. I made up for it later. I found like a dark arts arena thing somewhere in the game where you could try out all the good spells. Uh-huh. Oh, Avada yeah. Kedavra is good. Time. The Imperious Curse is good. Time. Yeah, Sure he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's saving face is what yeah, I hear. I Pet the bacillus. Oh, it gets mm. worse. It gets worse. You open up like a menagerie or something in your room of requirement and you get to collect all the beasts and gather their materials to upgrade your shit. In, the, in their own little pocket dimension. Yes. Animal Crossing. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. 
Oh my god! I bet you Deb's gonna love that part of the game when oh she gets to god. it. I real I, I did a save game and and I be I be out. You know, I got through that menu and I looked like oh I'm past her now. So I better stop because then she's gonna be asking me questions like how do I do this? How do I do this? I don't know. Kill people. Yeah, that game does not take off literally until you get a broom. I hate you. <laughs> You have a broom yet? I have a broom. Oh, okay. Yeah, but you punned. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. That's unforgivable. That's like just, the fourth unforgivable curse. You just Pun. You swept all the jokes on that one. I, I did. Uh, That's uh, all the geek I did. All right, we'll sweep that clean. Anything else you do, Kay? Uh, Make noises. I, I think that really kind of actually it's a lot. covered it. I was doing a it's lot three of days. running around, dealing with car shit and stuff like that, and... Um, I bought a battery for Andy's car. Not geeky. Is that exciting? No. Um, now, if you spilled battery acid all over, that'd be on par yeah. for Andy, but no. Um, a young girl with tattoos put it, you know, in my car for me. She was the one who took care of things at AutoZone, so. That's not geeky. No? No. Okay. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I did, uh, play some architecture, uh, Seven Wonders. Oh, so I won one game and then I, like, like physically played it or like online? Uh, physically, okay, physically, uh, and uh, that was, that was, that was fun. That's a nice game. Yeah, it's a really yeah. good game to just kind of. What do you want to play? I don't know. Let's play some architects while we figure out what we want to play. Yeah, I like it a lot better than Seven Wonders. I can understand that. Yeah, I Seven think Wonders I, gets complicated. I think I, I think I still edge towards Seven Wonders, but I think it's because that's the first one I learned. I've never played Duel. Neither have I, Ooh. and I have it, but uh, I haven't played it. Yet. Of course, you have it. So, um, I'm looking forward. Uh, Andy, I'm looking backwards. Brought his game. Don't look at me like that. Mm. Look forward. Uh, Just don't even look at me. Yeah, yeah. great. What did Andy bring? Uh, Thunder Road to. Oh, that's uh, a classic. Yeah, uh, and there was a Kickstarter. A uh, new one put out. Oh, to bring it back? <clears throat> yeah. And so uh, it's still wrapped in plastic because oh. we haven't crap, crap, crapped it. Crapped it open? We yeah. haven't, yeah. We Thank haven't God. crapped it if open. If it was like the other games you delivered to my house, like <laughs> Legends of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> but uh, he gave that to meh. So at some point, we will break that open and learn how to. He brought it, actually, uh, last night to Barry's, but we didn't uh, we didn't get there. Okay, so I'm looking forward to that because uh, that should be some that should be build up your car and run around blowing things up mayhem. Yeah, kind of but, Mad Maxi. Yeah, yeah. I ha I've never played the original, so I know nothing about it. But I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, um, I just want to put it out there. <clears throat> Twilight Imperium exists in my house. Oh, I'm looking at you two. Not fourth edition. It's third edition. That's fine. That's fine. I have third edition. I get. I feel you. Yeah. Do you have uh, any expansions? <clears throat> no, I don't. Just, uh, just original. Yeah. But I, I really, I really want to play that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a massive eight-hour game. A, a, oh. a whole day of work game. Yeah. Wow. And you've got to. You've got to read the rules and watch videos beforehand. Oh, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. we will be there for a long time. Oh, yeah. The one time I played it, it was like an hour set up an explanation because a, a guy had played it a lot. But if without that, it would have been like a five-hour thing, and we would have been playing it wrong. And, and frankly, I, I think that's kind of a good rule overall. Just a suggestion out there for gaming groups. There are really good videos on how to teach, how to teach games and how to learn games. So... If you can decide what you're playing ahead of time, 
do a little, have everyone do a little homework, watch a 15 minute video on how it plays. That way, at least you have the baseline. Everyone knows how it plays. Yeah, there'll be questions along the way, but at least everybody will kind of know how it's supposed to work. And don't just read every rule. That's, that's not how you learn a game. You read enough to start playing and then things come up. Then you go reference the rules again. That's how, and I reference this all the time, and it was, it's the best way to learn a game. Old school World of Warcraft taught, taught me the game the best way. Here's a few things you can do as you level up. Here's a few more things. It gets more complicated, and, and by the time you're you know level 40, 50, you get it. But if they gave you everything right away... You're not going to understand it. There's too much. You have no context for it. And some games know that. Uh, like the Hellboy board game, it has an introductory adventure that you play. It's like, don't read the rules. Read this introductory adventure. It will explain things as we go along. Nice. And you play to learn. Nice. So, so some games get it. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I did uh, I did watch a few things that aren't Clue. haven't watched Clue yet. Uh but I did end up, I, you know what, I never rent things from Amazon, but uh, my wife and I were looking for a good horror movie, and Knock at the Cabin Door is available for rent mm. on Amazon. It's not out to the streaming services yet. It's Which movie was that? That is the M. Night Shyamalan, 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 Shyamalan Ding Dong. That's the one. Uh, his latest venture. Okay. Bautista's. Uh... Yes. Oh, okay. Dave Bautista. Okay. Uh it is based on a book, uh, Cabin at the End of the World, by Paul Tremblay. Uh, Paul Tremblay, uh, for those readers out there, if you haven't read Paul Tremblay, change it. You have to. St- uh, so His stuff is so good. And captures a almost a, a, a heartbreak in every single one of the books of his that I've read. I haven't read some of his latest ones, but his first three books, and this is his third, uh has a really, really melancholy horror to it. And this is no different. So I was interested in seeing it because I've read the book. My wife's interested in seeing it because she likes M. Night's movies. Uh, And so we watched it. Um, And a pretty good translation of the novel. However, with one (laughs) massive change, which for those who have read the novels, it would make all the sense because... When they announced that they were making this movie, I did not, could not figure out how they would pull it off without absolutely angering the general audience, because it it uh, breaks a massive storytelling taboo for a lot of people, and so they made a they changed that taboo into something else, and it still works. However, I don't think that the movie captures the emotional pain of the book and then that makes sense because in the book you get a little more into the head of the characters of course and it's a little more uh it's not telling the story in two hours it's you know reading the book over the course of you know 50 chapters or whatever uh i recommend both though uh if you haven't read the book uh watch the movie it's pretty good it's uh, an interesting concept. Batista knocks it out of the park. It's perfect casting. In fact, for that character, I cannot f- think of another actor that could pull that off because it needs to have a gentle giant kind of character that Batista is able to masterfully do in this. In fact, I- I'm sure that M. Knight would say the same, that if he didn't have Batista, this movie never would have been made. And so it's Batista's movie to 
to break, and he doesn't. He knocks it out of the park. Uh, the kid actor, it's hard to have a good kid actor, and mm. this this one's no different. Uh, there's some areas where she's phenomenal, but some areas where it's... Mm. Uh, but everyone else does a fantastic job. And it's like all M. Night films. It's a Twilight Zone story. That's what he makes. Bit long Twilight Zone films. And that's what the original book is, too. So highly recommend any Paul Tremblay. But uh, as far as movies go, this is the first one based off of one of his books. And not bad. Not a bad translation. Uh, now I can't wait to see them do some of the rest of them. Uh, but just be aware, uh, if you're making it a first date movie, mm, maybe not. It's, it's kind of a, it's, it's, it's a heartbreaker in some ways. So, Aww. yeah. Aww, first man. date movie. You shouldn't go to a movie on your first date. Oh, yeah? No, you should not go to a movie on your first date. I, I learned that when I took my date to my girl. Dude, no. Well, it no. was I've, I've told, I'm not going to go over the story because I've told it on the show. Oh, you just once. told the story. I get it. Right. But. That's pretty much it. It was, but I was lied to. That was supposed to be a really fun coming of age movie, and it's wow. It's it's, it's about death and mm. don't and didn't get laid falling that in night, love huh? and losing who you fall in love with. Oh man, F- fuck that movie. Wow, movies, movie genres, what people like and don't like, super polarizing. Don't bring a date to a movie. Again, you're staring at the screen. You should be staring at each other talking. There you go. Well, well, it shouldn't be the only thing you do. Well, no, but yeah. still. But, but go afterwards and discuss. Sure, why not? Well, one of the most hilarious things I ever read uh, was uh, take me someplace that we're going to be spectating something sitting side by side. And she said, don't, don't take me somewhere we're going to sit across from each other and you're going to stare at my breasts all night. <laughs> and I was like, oh, good note. I'll remember that. And of course, she said that for the first date. I guess you could stare at her boobs later on. Well, as you hopefully, if they're put out there, I mean, that's what they're for. (laughs) (laughs) And then my wife and I watch brand new cherry flavor. Um, Wow, wow, this talk about polarizing. This is not a first date show at all. I don't know what that is. This is a show made for Netflix based on a novel that was released in the early '90s. Uh, The uh, author. I can't remember his name at the moment, uh, was diagnosed with MS and started having these really awful nightmares. And he took some of those and made the book Brand New Cherry Flavor. A horror novel, um, uh, for lack of a a better genre description, yes, it is horror. Uh, But by way of Cronenberg and David Lynch. Oh, body horror. Uh, Yes, definitely some body horror. Um, There was a... A style of novel that was uh, really came a came of age in the '90s and kind of ended in the late '90s as well, called splatterpunk, where it was over the top, fairly gory, and usually had some kind of political statement to it. That 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 was the reason behind it, and not a bad, not like a bad thing, not like hitting you over the head, but that's kind of the impetus of the horror, like something environmental or, okay. or whatever. Or racism or whatever. It's kind of that whole idea of, of people like uh, Skip Spector and uh, uh, I'm sorry, not Skip. Uh, John Skip was one of the authors. Poppy Z. Bright was another one. Um, David J. Shaw. Uh, these were all splatterpunks. Uh, still, most of them writings today, and they're still doing that kind of style. But it's just kind of fallen out of favor. 
this falls directly in that. A girl moves to L.A. with the promise of her short movie being turned into a actual film produced in L.A. Uh, however, she gets caught up in the L.A. machine, gets taken advantage of, in, as young writers do, and she loses control of her movie. She no longer will... She'll basically get credit as a writer and someone else will direct and produce it. She, her vision will be someone else's now. And she then falls in step with a local witch to find and get revenge on the producer who caused all this. Okay. And it is a fucking roller coaster from there. Is it fun? It sounds fun. Yes, it is definitely fun. It It is I'd almost categorize it more in the dark humor category than I would in horror, but the horror is absolutely prevalent, prevalent and unmissable. It's not like jump scares and shit. No jump scares. Good. Hate it that. is cheap. It is gore. It is uncomfortable. It very, very, very squirmy moments. It's it's one of those things. that's like it's not there to gross you out, but the gore is there for a reason. I want to watch this, and uh, I think you would really enjoy it, Barry. Uh, it's it's not Lynch. Deb would hate it. It's not. Li- oh yeah, this is not Deb's bag at all. It's Lynchian, but not in the same way as say Lynch's '90s oeuvre on, uh, where it's a lot of bizarre happenings, um, almost to an artsy level. Uh, without, but also it knows that it's artsy, so it kind of edges into camp a little bit without losing. It's intensity. Who did From Beyond? Uh, From Beyond was uh, the same guy that did. Uh, is, it, is it like like that kind of weird? Um, that movie no, creeps me out. No, um, it isn't. It's not that kind of weird at all. Okay, it, it, it's really hard to find a comparable example to this. Interesting. Um, you had me a dark comedy. It's eight episodes, and. Uh, like the book, a lot of people hate the book for not having likable characters, but that's kind of the point. Like, nobody is likable in this. Okay, as long as you say that going in, because sometimes there are there are um, TV shows or movies that I'll watch that are supposed to have characters you're supposed to associate with, but none of them are likable. They're all awful, and I fucking hate it. But if if they're not, if you're not supposed to like them, okay. Uh, and I'm really fascinated that this was ever made. Like, this is a Netflix exclusive miniseries. Oh, sorry. Cloverfield. That was the one that pissed me off because I didn't like any of those people. Right. Uh, this is. <laughs> uh, well, they, they were also caricatures. And one thing I will say with this is you actually have characters. And they're interesting characters, they're just not good people. That's but fine. You, you, right. were still, you were still caught up in it. Oh yeah, we. Uh, my wife and I riveted to the end, and okay. when it was all done, was like, that was worthwhile. Okay. Well, the crew from Always Sunny, they're all terrible people. Yes, but it's, they're fun. Right. Well, the, the reason I asked Todd is because you frequently, when you have a criticism of a movie or more uh, to the point, books, you would say, "There's nobody in here that I like." There's no one. There's no no one in here at all. That and I, I don't mind that as long as the plot and the story is, is interesting and the writing is good enough to make it interesting. I can handle mm-hmm. non-likable characters. Uh, There's a difference between a non-likable character and a non-interesting character, right? Uh, or are you mishing that together? Black, Black Company is a fine example of that where there's 
Is that mm-hmm. the name? Yeah, there were there all the characters. Nobody's likable, but it's still very interesting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so brand new cherry flavor. I do recommend it. It's just know that it's bizarre, it's unlikable, it's gross, and fascinating. You had me at dark humor. I like my humor black as night. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's. I I would give you highlights, but I feel don't, if I don't. did that, I will watch not, it. Right, right. I'm just I'm just saying too the, the monkeys as well. I would give you highlights, but I feel if I expose any of the grossness that you will eventually come across, I would be cheating you of something. Okay, because it does it does. There's no jump scares, but it does rely a lot on shock. Then tell me nothing. Yeah. So brand new cherry flavor Netflix exclusive, and again I don't. See why this ever got green lit. The book uh, does not really have a following. It's very polarizing. Even if you look at it now, because they did a re-release for this, the reviews are like five star, one star, one star, five star, five star, one star, Maybe one that's star. why it got green lit. Someone and took so, a shot. So that's fascinating in itself. And I've never read the book, but based on the reviews of everybody who either liked it or hate it, it's really ethereal. It really has a nebulous plot. Uh, they s- kind of fixed that with the, the the show because it has a very specific plot and a very, frankly, basic plot, but the it's a revenge plot. And revenge plots are fairly simple plots, but usually interesting. And yeah, yeah, nothing really goes right for anybody. Yeah. And mm. that's satisfying. It's on Netflix, right? <laughs> it is on Netflix. Good. Brand new cherry flavor. Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Anything else you do, guys? Jesus, no. It's only been a few days. I think that covers it. I need to refill my geek uh, geek monometer. I did end up sending Diablo 4 back to Gamefly. Yeah. Oh. Uh, it's, uh, again, I want to reiterate, it's not a bad game. It's actually a very good game and probably the pinnacle of a genre. I just think my tastes have changed mm. that I, it's, it feels like a more action-oriented MMO to me now. Ooh. Um, and and it's, just, it, it's, a, it's about grind to growth. And it def- definitely has, again, the best story I've seen in a Diablo. Uh, I just found myself wanting to play other things instead. And so if it's a rented game, why keep it? I don't, I don't fault it? you for that, man. Grind to growth, it's how it's always been. But my taste may have changed. So I'll give it a shot eventually. And I recommend it. And I will probably revisit it again when they eventually release the inevitable Game of the Year edition. Mm. So I'll find <laughs> it then. See how maybe some things have uh, maybe it wasn't up. good because you needed the extras you get by buying the Diablo 4 hot pockets or all, <laughs> all the other things that are marketed in the supermarket to Diablo 4 which is bizarre to me the Diablo 4 starry the the bucket of chicken with Diablo 4 yeah bucket of blood or whatever right it at is. the bottom of the KFC bucket there's this little the, plastic thing little QR code st- stuck to the you peel it up with and, the chicken grease all over yeah. it yeah gross there you go I, I think I would have given a little more time if it wasn't so insistently always online that pisses me off I don't like that at like all. like even when because uh Xbox and PlayStation 5 has a quick play feature where, you know, if you leave a game, you turn the Xbox back on and you start that game up and it's literally in seconds you're right where you stopped and you continue on. 
Uh, this has that same, you know, when you quit an MMO and you're actually still playing the game, even though you shut your computer off yeah. because you exist on the server somewhere for mm -hmm. a while. That's what happens here. So every time I would shut the game off, I would log back on and said, you were logged out for timeout back to the loading screen. Would, and so you have to start back up again and it eventually you get back to where you were, but it's, I don't know. It's it's that MMO flavor, I think, that kind of dulls it. Well, Todd, I think you came up with a new genre of game. What's that? Okay, you know those animal games that you buy? The little animals you got to take care of? Oh, with the, with the feeding and the brushing? Right. Yeah, yeah. So what if you have this game where you got to play a couple hours to set up your character? You get your character, and you get your character established. This is what the character likes, dislikes, how they approach things, do things. But then you walk away and you periodically check in on your character to see how they're doing in this virtual world. What have they become? Oh, so you you build a character, then you let it loose yeah. in a virtual world to play on its own. That exactly. You open up a window and check on everything. Does it does it does it become an executive? Does it become a police officer? Does it become a criminal? There's actually probably a, a yeah. people that would really enjoy that. That might be interesting. I'm actually yeah. kind of finding it fascinating. Definitely a mobile game. Though. It would be... It Parenting would, the game, really? It would, be, it would be fun to create... It's kind of Sims, isn't it? A little bit. Kind of create a character where... Play. Kind of create something where maybe you, you, you run through a routine of stuff You just you're, and just based on the way you handle these early things, that's what your character becomes and then you find to out. To what end? Uh, so I can, a community I, I can watch your character become a criminal and, and Todd's character be the vigilante who hunts you down. I'm already buying this. See, I'm not buying it. <laughs> That's okay. I'll, I'll make one. And That's going to go to the $5 bin. I'm uh, fascinated by this idea. I mean, it's, it's an idle game, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a game you play. It's a game you l load up, look at go away from for a few days yeah. then take a look at I a few mean, days later and you can create more characters you don't it's yeah. not just the one so, just you know maybe they hate each other maybe they they get along maybe it's a totally different city how long before your character you know takes his mercenary group and declares he's going to overthrow the government and then 24 hours later he's you know, in Canada. It's such an interesting idea. I wouldn't be surprised if it's already been done. But if it hasn't, it needs to be. There you go. <laughs> Barry's <face>. Unconvinced. <laughs> Looking at Barry's face, it's time for news you don't give a shit about. Yay! Ah, boo. 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 Boo on you. Boo, boo on your life. There's a little kerfluffle this weekend. This, a little is kerfluffle. this is kind of something we wanted to visit last week, so I'm glad this is uh, news this weekend. Bethesda put out a tweet oh, on their official uh, Twitter account that there wouldn't be any discs for their upcoming Starfield, the most anticipated game of the year, hands down. Meaning that when you bought the disc at your local retail, there wouldn't be any disc inside. It would instead be a card with a code that you would enter into your machine and... That's how you got your game when you downloaded it. Well, Bethesda's now confirmed that Starfield Standard Edition will include a physical disc. But it appears that's not the case for the more expensive Premium and Constellation Editions. 
Bethesda's official support account has tweeted a clarification, noting that there is, quote, a game disc included with the physical purchase of Xbox's standard edition, unquote. The PC standard edition simply comes with a code in a box. Uh, this might be what you expect PC gamers. However, is that the Xbox version of the premium edition and the Constellation edition simply come with that game code that makes some amount of sense since these versions offer five days of early access, and uh, but they also come with a Steelbook display case. Uh, so that's an empty Steelbook case you could put on your shelf, I guess. You know, I liked games when they came whole and complete on a disc, but these games these days are so big and there's so much new stuff, you physically can't fit them on one on one CD anymore or and DVD. I, and I guess they feel that people, and this could be true, that people are too lazy to put in multiple discs because they have released multiple disc games. Yeah. Uh, I think they've only released like... Not many. Yeah, yeah. And, the, and, and the, the amount of discs they had were maybe like three. Yeah. You know, any more than that, and it's too much. Oh, I remember trying to install... I think it was Star Control 2. Oh, yes. With, like, the little uh, five and a quarter floppies. Oh, boy. Sorry, five and a... What the fuck? What was it? It's five and a quarter floppies, and then there was the smaller ones. Three and a half? Three and a half. Three and a half. Holy crap, there was, like, 12. Like, like 12, 12 uh, discs. It's ridiculous. No one's going to do that anymore. Oh, no. yes. The... Uh I remember the three and a halfs when I bought Might and Magic, The Worlds of Zine. Oh, boy. Uh, and actually, they released one version of it, and then they released its sequel. Uh, but if you had both games installed, it would then combine and add more contents between the two games. But I think between the two of them, it was about 17 discs. Mm-hmm. So just so I understand that frustration. We lived it. We didn't like it, but it was necessary at the mm-hmm. time. Um until CD-ROMs came out. Uh, but now... Now you need... They're too big. You need the downloads. As much as I hate it, I can't fight the tide. Right. I, I, but I, what I do hate, though, is not being very forthwith about it. Like when they released the Star Wars Survivor, Jedi Survivor, there's very, very fine print that you needed an internet connection to the game because the game wasn't on the disc. You had, like... The opening of the game was on the disc, so you could start playing a little bit of the opening, uh, but you actually had to download nine-tenths of the game. Yeah. So you basically had a useless disc that was just a key to unlock the game. Some people like the discs to display spines out, you know? I get that. I understand that as the collector's. But it doesn't even need a disc. You just get the box, and you can put something fun in the box. You know, I used to love... Reading the instructions, reading the little stories that came in there. Oh, that's gone. The Ultima games yeah. had a had a physical like map in Ma- there. Map and two books, one on how to play the game and one lore of the game. That's yeah. fun. That's Not a lot of anymore. fun. Hell, yeah. certain Star Trek Online games have little uh, little uh, communicator badges or they something. They do. They do. I wonder how I know that. You piece of crap. <laughs> um, <laughs> games should come with fun physical stuff, and they just anymore i i get it it is the the tide is is finally shifting the way the game well the console manufacturers want and that is mostly digital distribution why it's super easy you don't have to go anywhere to get a game come back and put it in and then download the patches or whatever afterwards you can just set it to download the night before 
wake up and it's all ready to go on the next day. Why don't they just apply some marketing to this and then say, okay, if you want to buy something physical, you can, and it'll be like a deluxe version. You'll get a couple things. You'll get a, a mount and, you know, to, costume change or something but in that case there's no room for a cd strip all that out just make it a case and in that case stuff it full of marketing for in-game products and stuff uh like nuka-cola something or other with like a, with a yeah, tchotchkes like a, one of those little scratchers that said okay scratch this and if you get three you win and you win something in game something fun they don't want to spend the money or uh like a like a nice reference card which I could totally use for a lot of games, mm-hmm. you know, Some, something nice. Uh, the I'd the, pay extra for that. The sad part of this is that eventually, when two console, three console generations down the line, that these games are going to basically go away. There, you if you don't have the physical copy, you can't get it. Period. And since the physical copy no longer contains the game. No one's going to get it. They're going to exist, frankly, in piracy. And be, and that will be the fault of the uh, distributors and game creators as far as the companies go. Mm-hmm. So you, you can't cry against piracy if you that's the only way you can get that game in the future. That doesn't bother me so much as requires an internet connection to play consistently. I... I don't mind logging onto the internet to download it, but I don't want to have to constantly be connected to the internet to play the game. Yeah. Sure. And a prime example, Diablo 4 was hit with a denial of service attack. Game was down basically for two days while mm-hmm. that happened. Uh, just this last weekend, there was a planned outage for cable, and that's where my internet's through. So if I wanted to play my single-player game of Diablo, I couldn't because I couldn't log on to Diablo to play it while that was down. I can understand if you're playing League, Dota, or whatever. Sure. If it is a multiplayer game, of course. But a single-player game? Fuck you. Yeah. So uh, there's there's a lot of red flags in this future, but uh, it's, you know, we've seen red flags in the past, too, and... We dealt with it along the way, and we'll deal with this, too. There's no patches for board games. Buy board games. Uh, yeah, they are. It's called errata. Oh, burn. Oh, I just ignore it. News you don't give a shit about. Uh, it's going to be another rough year for Comic-Con International. The list of big Hollywood studios that are bailing is expanding. It was originally reported that Marvel Studios will be a no-show, but now Netflix, Sony, HBO, and Universal will be absent as well. A big blow to the biggest annual convention, fan convention of North America. Any reasons? Uh, so why is that, why the bailing? Well, explained by Variety, quote, if SAG-AFTRA and AMPTP cannot come to terms by the June 30 contract deadline and the guild goes on strike, actors will almost certainly join writers and showrunners in sitting out promotional events like Comic-Con, leaving studios with almost no one to populate panels in front of thousands of expectant fans, unquote. Uh, as for Warner Brothers, they're in a wait-and-see holding pattern. Uh, Paramount Pictures is expected to hold a panel for the animated feature Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, but Paramount Plus has yet to commit to panels for its Star Trek shows and other projects. Amazon Studios is said to be in attendance, and they will have panels for The Wheel of Time Season 2, The Boys Gen V, and The uh, Boys Season 4. So and that's quite an absence overall it's time for comics to take us take a chunk back yeah and, uh, 
step uh, up a little bit. Uh, as I don't necessarily think this is a bad thing overall, uh, because I've I've spent a little time in Hall H, and Hall H is friggin' overrated. Yes, it is. It's yes, that's where the big things happen, but it's also usually kind of like being in the nosebleed seats of the concert. You can kind of see what's going on, but you don't have a good view except for the TVs in front of you. So, are you really seeing the? The celebrities you want to see. People like Hall H because of the the first the first to market being the first to know. Yes, that's that's fun. Sometimes it is. That's fun, and occasionally they'll give you stuff that you can't get anywhere else. Uh, you mean like tchotchke kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah, little tchotchkes. And okay. whatnot, yeah, you know? that's true. You might get a, as long as they don't run out, which sometimes mm, they did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but one thing I did like about Hall H is that that's where everybody went, so that's where I wasn't. That's when you go out into the floor in the smaller panels and where I really enjoyed myself seeing authors talk about modes of sci-fi or smaller TV shows that I really enjoyed that didn't get, didn't get a big following, but all of a sudden Stan Lee would pop up for some reason or whatever. It's you just Or you get to see Steve Biggs in a panel with Jim Lee. <laughs> yes, you could. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, does this hurt Comic-Con in a certain way? Sure. Uh, but does it hurt the experience? Not in my opinion. No, yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, um, I'm only worried about the the show floor because the Marvel booth is always was always nice and big, and they had lots of fun stuff there. Um, but I think they could fill that space with other things. Sure, no and problem. with less in Hall H and podcasters. That means the people that were in Hall H are now going to be on the floor, making the already crowded floor even more crowded. Maybe we should look at a booth at Comic Con. Let's pin in that. Let's yeah. uh, let's uh, get Hall H. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, okay. Big shock Hall H for a day. Crickets. Hall H for a day. Yeah, yeah the whole Todd, day. The whole fucking day. No, no. I'm sorry, Barry. You're totally wrong. The first time we do shame, and that that makes it out into the floor. People are going to be coming in. Oh, with the bell! They're gonna oh, be they're gonna be just flocking into Hall H. What what you don't understand if you're listening, uh, if if you didn't follow us for a little while, we went to the Amazing Las Vegas Comic Con and we had the big wheel and you spin something on the wheel and, and there was a couple spots that said shame and then we would ring the bell and go ding a ding a ding shame ding a ding a ding shame we'd point at you and everyone heard it and everyone's like what is going on this is the fun booth. And, it and, was the fun booth. And it it was ridiculous the number of people who wanted it. Yes. There were people coming up doing what they had to do to get the spin because they wanted us to hit shame. That was weird. Game it, of Thrones fans. Fun, but weird. I love it when one of my ideas just comes to fruition. <laughs> and, and then uh, the following uh, year, I went to Las Vegas Comic Con just walking around and... Uh, there was a volunteer fire department thing or something. They had a fire truck. And occasionally you'd hear the bell ring. And I was like, yeah, copycats. <laughs> <laughs> this you don't give a shit about. Lionsgate is moving forward with its reboot of the 1993 cult classic film Leprechaun. Oh, no, dude. They have hired Felipe Vargas to helm the film from a script written by Mike Van Ways who recently worked on Disney's live-action Lilo and Stitch movie. As far as Vargas, he's only directed short films. 
and is set to make his debut film debut with a film titled Rosario in Colombia. Okay, you you look very confused there for a second. Live action Lilo and Stitch. Yeah, Did I sleep through that episode when we mentioned that? That's coming. Yeah. Will Jennifer Aniston be reprising her role? Oh yeah, <laughs> that would be awesome. Uh, no information on the plot of the film. I bet you can guess what it's going to be. Uh, but it's said to be, quote, a reimagining for a new generation of moviegoers, unquote. What does that mean when they say that? Does that mean they're going to take it in a new direction? It's going to be funny tongue-in-cheek like the way they did 21 Jump Street? Uh, I- it means they don't respect the original material and they're no exploiting one the IP. The original material. <laughs> you, know <laughs> who, you know who needs to do Leprechaun the Who's movie? That? Jennifer Aniston. Guillermo de Toro. Guillermo de Toro? Yeah, Guillermo. Give him Leprechaun. You're going to get one fucking interesting movie. Uh, I agree. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not saying you give it to him and force him to do anything in particular. You give it to him and you say, go, Guillermo. Uh, give me a call in uh, eight months. Cronenberg needs to do it. Oh, dude. <laughs> Come on. Cronenberg's leprechaun yes that's yes Lilo uh, and stitch warwick davis starred as the vengeful leprechaun over the course of six movies though he's not expected to return what <laughs> it's too old dude. in the original leprechaun movie in case you didn't see it which is okay uh dan o'grady steals 100 gold coins from a leprechaun while on vacation in ireland the leprechaun follows him home, but Dan locks the murderous mythological creature in a crate held at bay by a four-leaf clover. Ten years later, J.D. Redding and his daughter Tori rent O'Grady's property for the summer, and when their na- new neighbors accidentally release the leprechaun, he goes on a murderous rampage to reclaim his gold, unquote. Uh, Vertigo's Roy Lee and Miri Yoon will produce the film. Uh, as a horror fan, I kind of abhor leprechaun. <laughs> Uh, but only as a horror fan. <laughs> I, right. As a fan of Lucky right. Charms, he loves this film. Yeah. Uh, I, I remember going to the theater to see it. And oh, it. Oh, Did somebody wow. have their, vi- their expectations violated? Not a good first date movie, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out your date was Irish and was offended. Oh, yeah, yeah. Very much so. Yeah. 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 <laughs> that, that, no, there's, there's, there's Guillermo's movie, My Leprechaun. My my leprechaun. It's a cross of my girl right, and right. leprechaun. Yeah, it's a coming of age film. Yeah. Of a leprechaun. Yeah. Who murders people. Right. You find love and then you lose it. Not for lack of love for Warwick Davis. He's fine in it. Oh, yeah. he's great. And in, I assume he gets even more over the top and fun in the later ones. I wouldn't know. I didn't watch him. How was Jennifer Aniston? Forgettable. Wow. That I forgot she was even in it until trivia things on the internet remind me. Wow. It's it was it would it knew what it was. It was camp, but I didn't find it interesting camp. And I didn't think the Leprechaun really makes a good villain. But who is more forgettable? Jennifer Aniston in Leprechaun or I believe this is true. Courtney Cox in uh, 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 Masters of the Universe. I'd say they're both equally forgettable. Yeah, because yeah, I. Wow. Uh, Masters of the Universe, I I barely remember pieces of it. I remember the Enchantress and some very, very good sets. Oh, well, how do you forget Meg with the eyes? Oh, that's that's the Enchantress. Yeah, yeah. yeah and, that's, you know, why Frank, I rem- that's why Frank I remember. Frank Langella just chewing scenes. Yeah. Yeah. 
It was it was okay, but you know, it's Master of the Universe in name only. One of the sequels he would have loved to have done. Yeah. He's on record as saying that. <laughs> it was... It, I would watch Master of the Universe again before I would watch Leprechaun. That, wow, how about, how about, dude, how about that, that for a statement? Oh, that, okay, all right. That's a stinker. That's a blurb. You want that on the back of your uh, Blu-ray cover. Leprechaun, but not as good as Masters yeah. of the I Universe. I would watch Masters of the Universe but Better again. than Troll 2. Torgo from Geek Shock. Uh, but I want to cry. There are Leprechaun fans. Obviously, they made a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. But given that they caught the, well, the last ones was Leprechaun in Space, Leprechaun in the Hood, uh, that kind of tells you what the tone of the films. Oh, Leprechaun in the Hood. Yeah. Now you've got me interested. Go for it. Okay, go ahead. Have a time. Watch all the Leprechauns and report back to me. Have have a Clockwork K or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. See? Yeah. <laughs> leprechaun. Fun to talk about. Not so fun when you're doing <gasps> Leprechaun. No. We could have Benedict Cumberbatch. Although, and he's the leprechaun, and halfway through it, he goes, I am leprechaun. No, no, no. no and then no, Jennifer no. Aniston no, you're comes back us. to life when she's injected with the triple serum. None of these jokes are hitting. <laughs> what jokes? You're, I'm you're, serious. People have turned off their, their uh, podcast uh, app. <laughs> Although, a side note, I do own a leprechaun novel. <laughs> I have nothing for that. Wow! I got, I got Did another. that joke land? That's not, a, that's not a joke. That's his life, yeah. which is a joke, <laughs> yeah. but it doesn't land. Adam Caesar, a novelist I really, really enjoy, wrote Leprechaun the Musical, the novel, where the leprechaun, this is, I don't know if it's canon, but that's the whole idea. Leprechaun the Musical, the novel? Yes. Where, <laughs> lepre- <laughs> where there's a musical... <laughs> Uh, Spaceballs, sta- cereal, a stage musical, probably high school, that does a Leprechaun musical based on the Leprechaun movie, and the real Leprechaun shows up and starts. Dude, havoc. It was, was there was there movie tie-ins? Was there Leprechaun the musical? Leprechaun the musical, the novel, the board game? Dude, that's actually <laughs> how deep can we go with this? Yeah, it's real meta. That's actually not a. No, that's why I bought that's it. That's not a bad script. And then to that promote movie the board should game, be made. To promote the board game, did they release something at, at Wendy's? Did they have Leprechaun, the musical, the novel, the board game, the sandwich? The Frosty. <laughs> it's, it's the green Frosty. Yeah, but when you ask the stone counter guy about it, he's like, it's Leprechaun, the musical, the... Is it spicy? It's spicy. It's spicy. Mm-hmm. You don't give a shit about... All upcoming game studio game titles are now in development exclusively for current-gen Xbox Series X, Microsoft has confirmed. Xbox Game Studios confirms that outside of support for older ongoing titles like Minecraft, first-party development on Xbox One is done. Instead, Microsoft plans to maintain support for the older platform purely through cloud gaming options, which do you allow you to play Series X games on X Play on Xbox One, kinda. Uh, prior to this, almost every first box first X boy, there's so many X's in this goddamn show. Just roll. Come on, put power through. Cause I got opinions. <laughs> Prior to this, almost every first-party Xbox Series X game has also launched on Xbox One, from Halo Infinite to Forza Horizon 5 to Grounded, Minecraft Legends. 
The most notable exception is Minecraft. Minecraft. Jesus Christ. Here we are. Come on. My, Minecraft. <laughs> Fail. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Yes. Well, that is what you were fucking up. <laughs> a game that even pushed the most high-end PCs to their limits. Uh, Microsoft still has a less powerful piece of hardware to scale its games back for with the Series S, but it seems current-gen games will soon have a lot more room to meet their next-gen potential. The transition between generations has been an, a slow one this time around, not just for Xbox, even first-party graphical showpieces on PS5 like God of War Ragnarok and Horizon Forbidden West have launched on PS4 versions too. Now, whether due to the years-long supply shortages for both consoles for some reason, uh, both studios, both first and third party, have kept the old gen alive much longer than usual. This hits home for me because I have a old-school Xbox One. Xbox One. And then I have a like a newer gen Xbox One, but it's still an Xbox One. I don't know what they're called. And I was frankly confused by do I have to buy a Series S now and an X? Is it is it the new thing? Is it the difference between PlayStation Four and Five, or or, or or what? It was it was very confusing because it's all Xbox. Yeah, that was some genius branding there. Uh, their marketing department needs a gold award from whatever marketing. Oh, I know. Thing, uh, the, the, the Xbox and the Xbox 360, I could tell the difference. It was, okay, this is a new console. It's the it's the next generation. It's the next upgrade. Great. The S, the X, I don't fucking know. There's too many Xs. Yeah. I couldn't understand it. And so I didn't buy it. And I didn't want to buy, like, the grand greatest, newest thing anyway because I wasn't crazy about the games they were releasing. But now they're releasing. I just saw the the direct thing from Xbox where they talked about all the new games. I watched all of it. It looks amazing. They're really pushing Game Pass because everything's coming direct to Game Pass. I don't need to buy anything. I just I have Game Pass. We're good. Problem is, I have an Xbox One X. I have two of them, and they're going to be shit for Starfield. They're not even probably going to be able to play Starfield because it's such an advanced game. Right now, when I'm playing Hogwarts Legacy, when I come to a door, ugh, loading times. It's killing me. And sometimes, in some games, it even just cuts out and kicks me back to the main menu. Ooh. It pisses me off. Um, so I know I'm not going to be able to play all these cool-ass games on the Xbox One. And, and I'm not, I can't be mad about it. The thing has, a, has had a long life. Yeah. And they're going to still release like some of the smaller stuff for it. And that's great. It'll always be the console that's in the other room in the library or whatever. And it's fine. But yeah, these new games... Oh, now I gotta scrounge together five hundred bucks. Uh, yeah, it's in a weird place. The Xbox because they have the Series X and the Series S. Yeah, the S is the one that doesn't have a disc drive. It's all downloadable and not as powerful as the Series X. The PlayStation Five they haven't announced it yet, but pretty soon you're probably going to hear an announcement that there's the middle console before they eventually release the new one three years down the line what the ps6 ps5 like a ps5 pro it's kind of like they did that with the ps4 they did a ps4 pro in between for the five ramping up the uh, power of the machine without actually creating a brand new one uh that's when xbox released the s and the x they kind of did that at the same time where the S is the new generation, but the X is the pro version of that new generation. So you're going to see games eventually phasing out for the S in favor of the X because it's the only one that has the power to run the game. Yeah, you know, we, we saw this coming. 
it's not like it was with the Nintendo and the Super Nintendo or PlayStation and PlayStation 2 where these these consoles had a long life before we got to upgrade. Technology is improving too fast for that. And you, you you can't have... No one wants to develop games for a shitty old console. Sure. So. Uh, frankly, they... We know that they are working on the next Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls Scroll Six, yeah. uh, the follow-up to Skyrim. Uh, that is expected to come out in 2008. That is expected to come out on the next 2000, official... Con- 2008. Yes. Oh, sorry, 2028. <laughs> yeah, it came out a while ago. Did Live you linearly. You, you confuse me. That's how, that's how advanced the technology is. It's right. coming out decades ago. Yeah, yeah. you have to go back in time. Sorry, 2028 <laughs> okay. is the release date for that. Well, they can talk about that all they want. It could be like real video. It'll be great. But if it's going to be online, fuck you. If I gotta if well, I gotta suffer through other people ruining my Skyrim adventure or it's, whatever, that is, is a scary is, thought. That's the God. Those mm. games are but, wonderful because they're single player. But Starfield doesn't seem to have any of that. It seems to be a single player focused game. So I don't think that Elder Scrolls Six is going to be that either. I think they've created Elder Scrolls Online for that purpose for those people. Let them have it. Yeah. They're enjoying it. I tried it. I hate it. Can't I do it. Same. But, you know, there was Fallout 76. Right. But that wasn't the next Fallout. That was Fallout Online. Yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> that made me sad. Yeah. So there'll be another Fallout as well, and there'll be a single-player Fallout oh, London. game. Yeah, they're working on London. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, they made... I am, Frankly, I'm... I didn't like they did it because I didn't like those games. At the time, I was like, I don't like this. I don't like that they did it. Now I like that they did it because it allows the people that have been clamoring for that to have that experience separate from the main series of game. Yeah. So they don't force a the next Fallout. Well, guess what? It's going to be an all-island experience for everybody. It's going to be a live service game. No. Thank God. No. no. So thank Thankfully, the online versions exist, so we don't have to suffer through that. Yeah, you say that now. So it I is. The, go back and listen to this episode. It, is it turns the, out we're all wrong. <laughs> it is the Jesus of Bethesda games. It was sent to die for their sins. Okay. All right. All so right. that we don't have mm. to pay for them. All right. I'll get behind that. Wow. But no, I'm super excited for all the games coming to Game Pass. There's got some really good titles coming up, and like after every one, it's like it will be available on Game Pass day one. Yay! I'm getting free games. Free-ish. I, they look great, and I'm excited, except for one word, and that is Redfall. Redfall, I was excited for that, too, and then they released that game, and boy, was that a hunk of shit. Yeah, they can't all be winners. So, <laughs> and that was a big, massive announcement. Everyone was waiting for it. So, I'm tempering my expectations a bit because of that, but yes... Uh, Xbox finally seems to have some good exclusives coming in. Our in way. that exclusive list were also some goofy JRPGs I'll never play, but you know, whatever, it's something for everybody. Exactly. The JRPGs have their place and their fandom, so I understand because for years PlayStations have run away with JRPGs. If you wanted Japanese role playing games, you could bought a PlayStation because Xbox didn't fucking have them. Explain to me, though, how you're going to play Flight Simulator with an Xbox controller when I, there's those guys that have the full setup with the multi-monitors and the flight stick and all the business. Uh, I've played it with the console controller. I played Flight Simulator. Uh, ex- more to the point, explain to me how this game is interesting. 
Some people like it, dude. I get it. And I like the, the fact that you can also get an ornithopter from Dune and fly that around. Eventually, and maybe that will make things more interesting. All I know is when I got a plane to start flying it, then realized it was a real-time flight simulator, and I was flying from Michigan to Indiana. <sighs> <laughs> Weekend geek! Hooray! (laughs) (laughs) But But, you you have a point for it. But also, (laughs) this from the people who like Power Wash Simulator. Power Wash Simulator (laughs) is just an anti-coloring book, and I stand behind that statement. All right, I'll... I'll, I'll, I'm I'm with you there. I'm with you. Uh, But first, an ad. Uh, Kofi members, if you're a $50 member and higher, you can have one ad per month. Uh, J.R. Conkle has been running away with this, so... Don't let his ads scare you away. Send us your ads in the email, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, and you too can get an ad poorly read by Master Yes, you can. Uh, speaking of, J.R. Conkle, here's your ad. Greetings, humans. I am Netin from the Netin and Naga Show, the Netherworld's highest rated daytime talk show, and I am a meat monster. Let me start by making something absolutely clear. Moist is a choice. Despite our hectic production schedule, the sweltering lights, the constant pressure to maintain our top spot in the ratings, I say stay perpetually dry. Sure, a small army of corporate minions attend me with powders and pads during commercial breaks, but nonetheless, I remain dry at all times. Moist is a choice, but is it necessarily a bad choice? I've studied human culture, and you seem to wrap lean meats in bacon before cooking them. Why? To keep them fucking moist. So tell me why moist is such a bad thing. When the last time, when's the last time you heard anyone celebrate eating a dry fucking turkey? No, moist is what you strive for. Moist is what you celebrate. You humans are no better than us. Stomachs churning, you scream in terror at the sight of a flesh demon, terrified it will crush your flabby body to paste and add it to its own impressive girth. But tell me, how the fuck is that any different than what you do? You raise and harvest animals, grind them to paste and consume them, adding their flesh to your own impressive girth. You're no different than us. And let me remind you, you make damn sure the meat is succulent and moist before consuming it. At least with a meat monster, moist or otherwise, you can strive to become part of something greater. Some meat monsters quest to host gods within their corpulent bodies. When we consume you, We make you part of a greater whole, but you, the flesh you consume, becomes little more than fat, wasted intestinal gas. Ordinarily, this is where that J.R. Conkle character would blather on about buying his books, but you know what? Fuck that guy! I don't care for the way he treats flesh demons, not one 
bit, so instead, go out and buy a fucking meatloaf, a moist one, and as you consume it, think about how its tasty, succulent flesh is becoming one with your own. Think about how you are no better than a meat monster, moist or otherwise. Thank you, J.R. Conkle. I kind of want a meatloaf now. <laughs> I think we have another sticker. <laughs> Moist is a choice. Yeah. <laughs> I want that t-shirt. I kind of want that too. <clears throat> Write that down, lest I forget. <laughs> Moist is a choice. Hell, it's probably going to be the name of this episode. Probably. <laughs> I want that shirt. Yeah, I mean, I I don't it's like even... a meatloaf or a monster. Oh, see, I'm I'm not even. I just I just want the words. Moist is a choice. That, it's beautiful. That's it. it's poetry. Yes. Yeah. No matter where you go, people will yeah, demand they're, they're, an explanation. They're gonna and don't give them one. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. You realize this is great marketing, Jared Conkle. This is <laughs> spot on. If we had millions of listeners, dude. Bestseller. Yeah. You could just sell meatloaf. You'd be on all the lists. But as it is, with our dozens of listeners, you're a hit. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. Start with the Citadel of the Fallen and go from there, people. It's awesome. (laughs) Yes. Read them now because those demons are in there. They go well with meatloaf. And they're moist. I have a meatloaf recipe I should share with them. There you go. You know what? If you're a Kofi member, you can get my meatloaf recipe. Oh, yay. Shut up. It's good. Actually, Debs. Oh, hey, I got an advertisement. Yeah. Read J.R. Calker. Wow. 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 Really? Wow. Wow. Microcroft. Wow. Uh, read J.R. Conkle's Fallen series. It'll make you moist. Uh, J.R., you can have it. Put the quotes around it and Commander K. I'm sure wherever he is, he's listening and thinking, yeah, you can keep that. <laughs> Uh, don't underestimate Jr. He's probably like, uh, how can I use this? <laughs> what you need to do is make yourself a meatloaf with salsa in it. No ketchup, salsa. It, it makes a difference. Sorry, I'm thinking. Are, about are you me- giving away your secrets here already? Yeah, I'm yeah. thinking about meatloaf now. You think about that. We'll talk about Taika Waititi <laughs> is in negotiations to re- direct Clara and the Sun based on Kazuro Ishiguro's New York Times bestselling novel for Sony's 3000 Pictures. The project is in development with Dahivi Waller penning the original draft of the screenplay. David Heyman is producing with uh, Garish Bosch and Waititi are in negotiations to produce. Ishiguro, who was awarded the Nobel Peace Prize and Peace Prize, Microcross. You got through all those names without a without a, a so much as a, a flub, and now that peace always trips me up. He he did he did say tragic. I peace was never an option. I know. Nobel Peace Prize. Peace Prize. The Nobel Prize in Literature and won a Booker Prize for his novel. A Booker Prize. A Booker. Prize. I heard Booker. <laughs> I heard Booger. And guess what? Guess what Geek Shock is going to start awarding monthly for great books? The Booger Prize. <laughs> the Geek Shock Booger Prize. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> That's your job. <laughs> That's another sticker, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, he won the Booger Prize for his novel, The Remains of the Day. You remember that one? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's an EP. Uh, 
It's a EP Ishiguro novel follows Clara, a robot girl created to prevent teenagers from becoming lonely. This is the story of how she tries to save a family of humans she lives with from heartbreak. I can feel very just crumpling beside me. The novel published in March of 2021 and debuted on the New York's best time best seller hardcover fiction list at number three. Someone call an ambulance. He's stroking out on air. <laughs> New York best times. <laughs> That's another novel. Set in the Win- se- Win- 70s Times Square. Win- winner of the Booger Prize. <laughs> oh, man. Oh. Send me uh, send me words, and I will slaughter them for you. <laughs> We're professionals, people. <laughs> uh, after directing Marvel's <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder, Matini was weighing a number of options for his next film, including his Star Wars movie. Uh, he ultimately landed on Clara and the Sun, and once a deal closes, will likely make it his next film. As for Star Wars, the insiders say he's still excited about the project and committed to direct that next year his uh, next film next goal wins arrives this fall and stars michael fassbender hmm. so did you get any of that who knows all I, the, I, the I, remains of the day guy wrote a robot book and it's being made by my, my <laughs> Latini. we do this in one take people we don't go back Watiti. It's like live theater. <laughs> no, no amount of editing can fix what just happened. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> oh, shit. We only edit out the pops and the hisses. That's it. Except that. That was for comedy. Brian Fuller Not and Mads Mil- <laughs> Mickelson have teamed back up along with Sigourney Weaver for a new horror film titled Dust Bunny which recently kicked off production in Budapest, Hungary. Hmm. The two previously worked together in the Hannibal series. Uh, The story follows an, quote, eight-year-old girl who enlists the help of her intriguing neighbor to kill the monster under her bed that she believes ate her family. Wow. That seems like fun. Yeah. Right? I mean, if you're going to give just a... A pitch, a logline pitch. Mm-hmm. That's that, pretty that's powerful. That's a good, and, strong pitch. And you talk about Mads Mikkelsen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if he was my neighbor and I had any problems going on, oh yeah, I'd be knocking on the door so fucking fast. Can you solve this for me? Hey, so here's a question. With the writer's strike, um, how are they starting filming on anything when they need like writers on the set <clears throat> to fix things and whatnot? Uh, they generally will not have that. Uh, that tends to be in TV shows, not so much in films. Yeah. Once they have a script, ooh, that's kind of done. Uh, they might do some directing rewrites, like the director will jump in and, yeah, quote, fix things. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes they do have an author on the set, but on movies, that's a little more rare. Yeah, like mm. uh, they were talking about with Deadpool 3. They mentioned uh, that they're doing a lot of improvising with uh, stuff because they they're 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 filming, but they're they don't have writers. It's Reynolds; <laughs> they'll be fine. Yeah. The Conjuring universe is about to expand with a new horror drama series being developed at HBO Max. Uh, James Wan is developing the series as an executive producer, along with DC Studios co-CEO Peter Safran. And it's set up with New Line Cinema and Warner Brothers Television. The series is set to, quote, continue the story established in the feature films, unquote. 
No other details shared. There are currently seven films in the Conjuring universe, including The Conjuring, Annabelle, The Conjuring 2, Annabelle Creation, The Nun, Annabelle Comes Home, and The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. (laughs) The next installment of the horror franchise is The Nun 2, which will be released on September 8th. Here's the thing. All of that kind of just sounds horrible. Mm -hmm. However, overall with a few hiccups here and there, those are pretty good movies. Never saw them. I'm not much of a horror guy. I mean, I like, like it, but I don't like gravitate toward it. So it's I not get my, it. Yeah. And, and your, your, your partner hates them. So, yeah. so you, I can understand not wanting to get to it. My wife loves horror movies. I love horror movies. So we've been through the entire Conjuring universe and overall had a really great time in there. Hmm. So I'm looking forward to more of it. And if they want to make a... HBO Max TV series based in that world? Sure, I'm down for it. Just like I'm down for the It, uh, Welcome to Dairy series coming to HBO Max. Uh, I know a lot of people are trepidatious about it. It's kind of been written and that's the story and you shouldn't fuck with that. What's been written? Uh, Thank you, Jeff. And (laughs) uh, however, it's done by Andy Muschietti. Muschietti's doing the TV show. He did It Part 1 and 2, the latest It releases, and I loved It in his hands. I like Andy Muschietti. His last name sounds like Salami. Of course you do. I don't blame you. But the, the changes he made to It worked. <laughs> changes to what? The, I'm, Shut I'm, up. I'm, I'm ignoring it because I ignored Jeff, too. So ignoring that, what? That's the last of it. I am I'm, Jeff, I'm, I'm, too. Oh, boy. <laughs> You're doing your best famous Paul impression. I'm doing. Trying desperately to make some jokes stick, and ain't none of them doing it. I'm doing my best to annoy the hell out of you, and I'm working. Oh, it's, you sure are. Yeah. Uh, but I, I will gladly take more of Muschietti's world, his view of it, and frankly, his directing style. I and his cold it. cuts. His cold cuts are yeah. amazing. I can hardly wait till his uh, friend... Uh, gets into the he's a, a close collaborator from oh, yeah, when yeah. uh the early years bobby gabagool and swing and a miss <laughs> he's trying so hard <laughs> really trying you know no i'm golf, not a little golf clap for i you am trying. not trying at all clap for you trying. i am doing it for the faces he's... and i am winning so fuck off <laughs> It's the the pain is real. That is for sure. There's there you pain. go. Yeah. Marvel is expanding what if with a new novel series. Uh, Marvel is teaming up with Penguin's Random House Random House Worlds publication, and the new stories they will tell involve Spider Man, Loki, Moon Knight, and more. Uh, the series will launch in twenty twenty four with three titles. First book of the series is What If Loki Was Worthy, a Loki and Valkyrie story by Madeline Rue. It's going to be published March 12th of next year. Followed by What If Wanda Maximoff and Peter Parker Were Siblings, a Scarlet Witch and Spider-Man story by Sean McGuire, published in July of 2024. And finally, What If Mark Spector Was a Host to Venom, a Moon Knight and Venom story by Mike Chen, published in October of 2024. Audio editions for all novels will be published by Penguin, Pe- Penguin Random House Audio. What do you feel about a What If novel series? I just wish they had uh, 
better ideas. <laughs> I mean, like, what if is not a bad idea for a novel series? Just the stories they're telling doesn't strike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, Loki. Oh boy, let's let's do another Loki because Loki is just so popular now. And uh, Wanda Maximoff and Peter Parker siblings. It's a what if. Yeah, I know, but it's still. parallel universes. What if this happened? What if that happened? Ah. What if any of your jokes landed? <clears throat> Ever. Oh, yeah. Boy. See, see, somebody, parallel universe. Somebody. What, what I was confused about. What was, if Barry was happy? What, what if, if Kirsten was smart? What if Barry was considerate? What if Barry what had if Kirsten empathy? went to go play in traffic? <laughs> Look, um, what if, what if uh, Barry ate my ass? What oh. if Kirsten sucked? My, you know what? Stop. Yeah, he liked that one. Yeah. What if he sucked the Muschietti? How dare you, sir? Don't mm. bring cold cuts into this. Look, uh, that was a cold. Was cut. this? Is this a book or is it a or is it a comic? It's a book. See, he loses me there. This is it's a comic thing. I don't want to read a book about Loki. I want to see a comic about Loki. I don't want to see anything about Loki. You don't like Loki? Loki, people love Loki because of the movies and because of Tom Hiddleston. Well, the, yeah, because the, the comic one's goofy. The car- comic Loki is is evil personified. It's just like, I loved what the movies did. Charming Loki was a great thing. But at the end of the day, he's still, he's still evil. Pers- I mean, <clears throat> I saw two, two progressive uh, movie talkers, bloggers, you know, talking about the problematic part of one of the Thor movies. I think it was uh, Dark World. Or, but Loki actually, like, made an insinuation about, you know, something nasty with Jane Foster after he killed Thor. And they talked about how problematic it was and very disappointing. And it's like, guys, that is actual Loki. You You have been seduced by the motherfucking charming Loki movie persona, which actually is exactly how it would work. But to sit here and talk about problematic element, he is the god of evil, and it's just like, you know, so... Mischievous evil. Yeah, I I can enjoy... I enjoyed uh, the the Loki uh, series. series. Mm -hmm. I mean, because... Because Hiddleston is just awesome sauce, you know? But at the same time, it's just like, ugh. So now we got to have a Loki novel and a Loki... Okay, know. that's what you're getting at. Yeah, I, I disagree with the novel. I don't, I don't like it. I like the What If series. Yes. I'm waiting for the What The series. Remember those <laughs> comics? Those are off the rails. <clears throat> yeah. They'll come up with those. Do you think that'll work? I think, I think I it'll think work. So. you got to wait five years. Wait for the next phase. I want them to base the next Spider-Man costume off of Fred Hembeck's art. You know, so... No, I don't know what that is. Uh, he did a very... Actually, kind of mad uh, magazine type of art. He was known for the little swirly spirals on knees. For some reason, he did that. And, uh, yeah, that'd be great. But so I, you want Spider-Man with swirly knees. So Good job. I want you Why don't they to pay stick you your, your head in the toilet <laughs> while I'm peeing. That's what I want. So you want that style of art because people liked it, didn't like it? Because, or, it, was, uh, because it was incredibly stupid. Okay. So you... But did you like that art? 
It was comic art. Okay. He 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 was talking about you know what the right Hembeck did a lot of what does. Oh okay. I guess that's the part that I was for oh. people who don't know. I think it was early '90s, right when the, the What the series came Something out, like that. and the, well, the What ifs were What if so and so's brother and sister, whatever, and it just takes one facet. What though were com- just nutty, completely off the rails fun. It was comedy. Yeah, that was straight comedy. There's no alternate universe series that's there whatsoever. So that's that's what I want. I want to see that. That's so, why I was asking. Is that do you think that's something they could pull off in the MCU? They could, but it's gonna wait until after these phases of, of the more serious stuff you get to get through, and then you know it'll, it'll work. It'll work. But you're right. The what the had a very Mad Magazine feel. Yeah, it was it was just wacky, crazy. And what what if you know had fun stuff? So and it also had it would sometimes actually I think. Part of part of the what the was they found what if when it got a little kooky, really really kind of sold. So you know you could do what if Punisher killed the Marvel universe. Oh, that was great! Right, that's just know? a great one. But at the same time, there's you know also just the what the whatever Spider Ham was served at Easter or something. I don't know. <laughs> but <clears throat> aha, what? He laughed. I did. He laughed, Todd. You you finally landed one. Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. What is your le- who's your least favorite artist in comics? Rob wow. Liefeld. Rob Liefeld. I understand that. But explain. Who is that? What? Rob Liefeld. The- oh. Okay. It's it's easy to explain. Just go look at his art. All you have to do is Google like Rob Liefeld uh worst worst covers, worst artist and you will see how terrible, terrible his art is. First off, everyone is loaded up with uh, pockets. For some reason, he loves having like a million different little satchels and pockets all over the all over pouches, everyone. pouches, yeah, pouches, 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 pouches everywhere. And he has no no regard for uh, 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 how people actually look and are shaped. It's like looking at Picasso art. Like he does this. Um, Rob Liefeld, the Rob Picasso Liefeld. of comics. Except bad. Yeah, it is. That's the <laughs> documentary right there. <laughs> he draws them as comic characters, but somehow cubist. Uh, Captain America had like the tiny little waist, and, and he's got this giant chest, and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I, I think he's cross-eyed or something <laughs> and sees people real funny. He just, no, he just does Can't it. draw feet. He, Can't draw feet. Point just brings everyone to a point. Yeah, and uh, God, there's one great one out there. I think it's Cable making a jump, and he's jumping, and his feet, both feet, are to not not slapped together, but they're in the same direction towards you in the jump. And he actually has the arches backwards. He actually has the the right foot on the left leg and the left foot on the right leg. <laughs> it's all like that, and the yeah. women he draws. Humans don't look like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, a, a lot of artists have that problem. It, it comic artists just being incapable of drawing a woman just standing is become a real thing. It's just like there's a there's a there's a couple generations out there. They literally can't draw a woman just standing. If you want a fun thing, and I'll see if I can find it and put it on the Kofi, there was a 
there's a site somewhere that has like 40 of Rob Liefeld's worst <laughs> pieces of art ever. Yeah. It's fun. It's fun to. to I, uh, I think I've seen it shared before. Go down a rabbit hole on that. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah, it's crazy. What is your least it, favorite artist? And again, it's it's a personal preference. I don't think that the art artist is bad or his work is bad. I just don't care for it. Uh, and that is Umberto Ramos. Help me out. Um, hmm. He did the X Men a lot in, and he still works for Marvel. I mean, he's worked for them for ages. Uh, I've been still, I'm still reading the chronological order of Marvel. I'm now in January 2008, but he runs uh, one of the X Men through all of that, and it's a very anime style and i and i think it's an anime style that i just don't care for anime uh, style. yeah i don't like it either uh but all of his mouths uh, of are are heavily teethed mouths always in some form of shouting and there there's just just angles on it that i just don't care for yeah i think i think i don't have a person mm. but a style i would say the the and I'm a big, you know, I'm a big pro, uh, proponent of variety of styles, but at the same time, the the people who get really, really fucking crazy with the anime style, it just drives me nuts. And there's some of them that I just, you know, <laughs> somebody did a might have even been Ramos, uh, like a Conan, and I was just looking at that and I'm like, oh, God, it just doesn't work. You know, but a lot of people just love it. I mean, sure. he, he uh, th there was that kind of style on a Superman, and I'm just like, you know what? I'm not any kind of a real Superman fan, but even for me, this is this is just not playing. Steve's gonna like this one. I don't like Kirby. Fuck. Well, well, that's uh, them's fighting words. Well, wow. no, you know, like the flat faced, uh, like. Like early Hulk? Yeah, kind of. Well, he's also talking about like monsters and things like that, like uh, my Fin Fang Foom statue, which is a classic Kirby monster face. Very human. But a, not statue, the, the, like the, the art yeah. itself in the comics, where like I think the first time I ever really saw it was I was uh, flipping through comics and I saw something about Darkseid and Big Barda, and she's just got this face, this flat face, and it's just awful. Wow. Or, or uh, like the early, uh, the Eternals. You know, mm -hmm. there's just there's a style, and I don't like it. It's a, no wow. wrong answers here. Opinions, opinion. Yeah, no, that's a wrong answer. It's a very wrong answer, though. It's terrible. It's like I don't one like of the it. worst answers. Yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. Anything you draw, I don't like it. Yeah, I don't like it. How about you? What's your favorite worst comic artist? Write to us, comments at geekshockpodcast.com. And I want to thank Kofi members, tier two members, Mike M, Mama Ninja Scoop, Heidi Johnson, David Hydebreyer, Scoop Bucky, Aaron Esquire, Minty Scoop, Two is One, Leon Mitt, and Scoopy Ramon. And of course, our tier four members, Deb T, David Farrar, J.R. Conkle, and our tier five members, King Vald, Jeff Harris, Aussie Matt, Mad Martron, Glumley, Atomic Gumby, and... Once again, King Vald, thank you for your one-off this week, you beautiful, beautiful creature. 
A special thank you to our song song creator for our theme. That's Sam Heffernan. It's called The Burning Light, and you can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, you, dear listener. And I, I have Red Light, Green Light, like, ready to go. And, and I've had had it. But we, we need more people than what we have right now. <laughs> Why? So, Me so and we, Va- Barry voting against each other. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty much. That's the way it's like. Maybe I'll just go ahead with it. I yeah. was thinking before the show and just have you two do it. There but then I've been like, okay, two, two, two votes. Just just not going to work. You go. Well, you'd have to weigh in finally. Yeah. It's not how the game works. Who cares how the game works? Yeah. This is the DLC. Fuck the rules. This is pre-patch. This is why I don't play board games with you. Do what we want. Yeah, this is why. (laughs) This is why. And until next week, I am Master Torgo. Commander Kirby. And Vlark. And we'll talk to you next week in Geek. Commander Kirby. You you just say that just because I don't like the style. That's what I've been doing the whole episode. That's what he's been doing. Just a contrarian. whole episode. Yeah, contrarian with a K. K-O-N. Your Cat- shit does in. not land. Ugh. It does when I'm over your face. Still doesn't <laughs> land. <laughs> Still nothing. Weeks. <laughs>